0: So you have gotten into the uh, making of apparel business, or not? maybe not apparel, but you're making something for the Spirit Store? Is that
1: right? <laughs> oh, is that public? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I made something, and I thought, hey, that would be fun if it went there.
0: So you, do you think that you, at this point you have better swag than I do? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the... Uh, the oh, wait, pl- are we
1: talking about like clothes? Yeah.
0: whoa, oh, <laughs> like swagger? You might also have better <laughs> swagger than I do. I don't swagger as well as mm. some. Mm. I have limited swagger. But... Uh, yeah I think the uh the apparel market I'm making it making uh, apparel for uh, group leaders for freshman retreats oh yeah a little logo polo what? pullover the quarters at pullover mm-hmm. is very popular these days mm-hmm. among the the Utes
1: Well, pretty much anything other than a hooded sweatshirt is going to be See, popular I, why are you bring this up? <laughs> I love
0: hoodies they're like comfort blankets for yeah people exactly and you know when you, you can use wear comfort anywhere. blankets
1: in bed. Yeah, these are or, pajamas. Or, Don't wear them in public. Yeah. Well, I mean, the <laughs> distinction
0: between bed and class these days is a struggle. Mm, is so it, if you bring a little piece it? of bed with you to class, like a hoodie. Do you know what I
1: tell children who are trying to Zoom from bed? Yeah. Get, get out, out of, of bed. bed.
0: Get out of bed. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, we have less of an issue with that now. But I still I still sympathize with the desire to have comfort in class. Mm. And uh, I think hoodies are socially acceptable. Gross. At this point. Inappropriate. <laughs> um, but hard no. <laughs> hard no. Well, to each to each his own. <laughs> there it is. But there it is. Uh, Perhaps we should begin with a little prayer. So let's uh, begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the way that you uh, journey with us on this uh, journey through life, uh, this journey uh, through periods of difficulty and adversity, but also periods of uh, great joy and fellowship. We ask that you enlighten our hearts, that we might uh, recognize you active in our midst, uh, that we might hear your call uh, to follow you, that we might uh, discern uh, the way of life that you uh, open up before us, uh, and that we might uh, do all that we can uh, for your greater praise and service. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, uh, last week we <coughs> talked about the first week.
1: First week. Which was the second part. Sin... Sin first week in the second part. That's right. Now we're in the second week of the third part. We're in the second week. Does, the, it's, does, it's does the third the part even go to third? It does go to third parts. Yeah,
0: uh, exactly. That's the end, though. And we have <laughs> we have still two more parts. <laughs> oh so my. we're in the second week, uh, and um, yeah, but first week reflections on sin that we didn't cover because we love sin.
1: We love sin. Uh, I not on sin per se. I do want to talk though about the transition into the second week yeah and i think it ignatius does so quite masterfully with that wonderful meditation on the call of the king yeah uh is it okay if i jump to this already Please jump or do you have any
0: that's technically not the second week and we're I doing know. like the yeah yeah so that's what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. This, this is the perfect time the, for that.
1: the end of the first week i think is fine is brilliant right. but it's not right. on sin per se so why don't you go and and do your sin reflections <laughs> no I,
0: mean, I thought we were great do you, you have one you ended the last podcast saying well I have more to say
1: oh I do I mean and we could just talk about that Fair. but I do want to talk about some so of this is stuff. what happens when we don't have
0: a plan but um, so the uh, kingdom of Christ call of Christ the king
1: call of Christ the king yeah and I find that this is such a cool way to end our talk on sin because once again left to our own devices what do we do We dwell and we say, I am the center of attention. I'm the worst center of the world, in the world, and I can't possibly be forgiven. And so Ignatius gives us this really, really cool meditation on, like, imagine, he says basically, like, imagine the best king or the best ruler that you can imagine, like a King Arthur or, you know, the King of the North. Yeah. (laughs) Uh like the most benevolent the most willing to go out and uh, and be with his with his people and then recognize that christ is that much better like he goes up to that point and then takes it up to to 11 Uh, for you who have just recognized yourself as sinner like that's mind-blowing mind-blowing and I love that we don't stop, we don't end. Not only do we not end with the first week, there are three others, but even in the first week, <laughs> we end with uh, like an incomprehensible love for me as a sinner. Uh, and one of the reasons that I love that meditation so much, I, ga- I, I gave this retreat talk a couple of years ago, well, last year, um, for Focus Missionaries. I don't know yeah. if you've ever heard of them. Yeah, I dabble. <laughs> uh, we did this Father's House retreat, which is really cool. And and the talk that I gave was the Father's House uh, talk or whatever. Uh, and in typical Jesuit fashion, I kind of flipped it around a little bit and kind of did my own thing. We do that. <laughs> uh, but I think it worked, and I'm really kind of proud of it. So here's what I did. Okay, so the Father's, you know, we, we look through the Old Testament, and the Father figure is so crucial, the patriarch of the house, This is the person that people go to to, to find their blessing or to, to receive a blessing. Right. Uh, and kind of like what I was just saying with the temporal king, like, that's awesome. But imagine the God that gives, the, like, the best blessing, <laughs> the bestest. Uh, and so the way that I kind of went about this retreat or this talk was looking at how We've got so many temporal kings around. One of my favorite things to do is ask Jesuits. So I'm going to ask you here in a second. Uh-oh. Uh who well I'll ask you right now. Who is your temporal king? Like mm. when you imagine who that is. Well I mean so there is comes a, to mind.
0: this is a this is a pedantic way of answering the question. I mean th- so there, oh, no. is, there is a temporal authority that the the pope continues to have. Mm-hmm. So I might go that way. Oh that you're route. picking the pope? I might Come pick on. the pope. I don't oh. know. But he, he, he chooses not to exercise it now, but, but he still possesses boring. it. Some, um, temporal authority, uh, county judge.
1: Mm. Wow, you're going extreme literal <laughs> with this. I'm just this. trying to break your, your oh, I'm trying to gosh. cause
0: problems for your, your, whatever you're about to say. Oh,
1: lordy. Well, mine for a long time, he's dead now, so he's no longer temporal, uh, was Anthony Bourdain. Like, this is the guy, if I could choose and if I could live anybody's life, it would be his. Traveling around. Experiencing culture, and eating good food, and making good food. Nice. And like, he's kind of the person that I always strive to be. Like, uh, not just a person that I recognize authority. I don't know that that's necessarily oh, okay. what I got you. I, this I, meditation I, is about. Sorry, I was going. I was going authority <laughs> more than yeah.
0: Admirable yeah, you person. were. Uh, which no. is
1: fine. Which is fine. No, which no, is fine. No. So
0: to answer your question for real. Uh, uh, Wells Crowther. Uh, a uh, he wanted to be a firefighter. He died in nine eleven, mm. rescuing people from the World Trade Center. Boom. Um, and whenever I think of the call of an earthly king, I think of him. Right. Yeah. So I think like firefighters, people who, like, sacrifice their their lives for, for the sake sure. of other people. For sure. Like that's kind of my model of, a, mm-hmm. of an earthly king. I want to be like in that building with him, fighting yeah. the fire. Right.
1: And I also kind of looked at the way that in which we we take on a lot of literary figures as well. I mean, I mentioned Arthur already as kind of the the ultimate king in in the in our in our uh, fantasy world, if you will, or an Aragorn, or you know these great these great mythological kings of old, uh, even like a Beowulf. Um, but now, when you look at modern culture, like we don't really do that anymore. We don't really read. <laughs> uh, but we do have all of these celebrities right and so you know the i don't i don't dare mention a a popular celebrity these days i'm kind of out of touch with that but these are the people that we really want affirmation from even though we'll never get it like we'll never actually meet one of these people and even if we do they wouldn't remember it's going to be like hey can i take a photo like okay right. that's cool uh, but like these are the people that we so desperately to be liked by find that so fascinating that we've gone from these kind of idealized figures of you know uh, King Arthur to like a Brad Pitt or I said I wasn't now I'm dropping celeb names Uh, so how does that happen how do we go from one to and it happens not just in in, you know in the celebrity world we even do this with political figures like you know these Donald Trump Joe Biden are becoming like these in a sense, mythological figures; these, right. these extreme versions of their idealized selves, right. in whatever way you want to take that. Uh, all the while, okay, all of this kind of rambling at this point, but all of this is to say that I think we've forgotten what that truly means to to celebrate Christ the King. I mean, this feast is coming up in a couple of weeks, right? Like, what does that mean to say Christ the King when we've got so many of these other people that we're so desperately seeking affirmation and blessing from to bring it back to that father's house? Like, we want everybody's blessing except the king of the universe. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is the result of just the culture we live in where it's democratic, uh, right? So democracy is it's a good thing, right? It, it allows everyone to have a voice and allows uh, for change in government that is ultimately very good for society, to be able to change over government and, and to have new new ideas uh, kind of rise to the surface and um, to have everyone to have a voice, right? So democracy has, has many benefits, but it also has this kind of dark side, which is I think what you're kind of alluding to, that we don't have someone who is uh, rightfully king, someone who is rightfully in place of authority, who has authority from God uh, in order to um, kind of inhabit that position, and as a result uh, is constantly uh, at the, at, you know, um, uh, Rules only with the consent of the government. Only rules because he's popular. Because uh, people just choose to let uh, her or him um, be in the position of, of authority. And it's same I think in our in our kind of popular culture that we we choose to elevate certain figures that we think are beautiful or good at acting or um, eloquent speakers or whatever else. People that have qualities that we admire, we elevate them and uh, and put these in put them in these positions. But it's very. Uh, uh, kind of superficial in some ways, and, and they could be kind of cast down from that position at a moment's notice, uh, in order in favor of someone else. And so there's not a, a sense of um, an eternal king. I think <clears throat> kingship by itself is uh, kind of foreign to us. But then also the notion of someone being kind of in a in a position uh, lastingly <clears throat> also is is really foreign to us. So I think someone I think is much more of like a like a vocation, right? So I, I think of a firefighter, uh, someone who does that not because of the consent of people. Um, like saying, hey, you should be a firefighter, and I, I give you my vote to be a, a firefighter, but someone who sees that as his vocation, as um, a position that is kind of set apart from others, that other people don't run into burning buildings and other people don't run into, you know, like a police officer, other people don't run towards gunfire, right? But these people are, are in a position where they have a special role to play, uh, and they have it because they see it as their as their kind of vocation in life or their, their calling. Um, and so I think that <clears throat> gives these kind of jobs, you could say, uh, more of the quality of like kingship in that um, it's a position that is not merely at the whims of a popular opinion. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I kind of admire those those positions uh, is that they're ultimately service, right? So a doctor or a nurse or something like that is oriented towards service, which I think has um, a stronger h- connection to um, leadership and to kingship than uh, political power and, you know, the, the right to mm-hmm. coerce people to your own mm-hmm. will. Um, which is, yeah, yeah, more, more what we're familiar with when we think of politics, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. So how do we, how do we, how do we, what am I trying to say? How do we create, not a culture, but like, I mean, it's ultimately boils down to an, a, a conversion experience, an encounter with the living Christ. Like, how do we build a desire to seek that blessing of the eternal king over these, temporal kings that we've got.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that we do have, we do have heroes, right? We do have people who, um, especially people who, who kind of sacrifice And I don't want to say
1: heroes are bad. Like we, I love heroes. Like, and I love seeing these wonderful, uh, you know, that's the saints, the lives of the saints. These are men and women who went above and beyond. Right. Like that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe that, that practice of praying to the saints, right? We seek their blessing. We seek their intercession. That is, that is kind of exactly what you're talking about. Um, and so, I think there are some ways in which we, we seek it out. Uh, I think we also ask other people to pray for us, right? Uh, but yeah, I think maybe <clears throat> yeah it 's just not a, as popular of a notion um, to ask someone else for help. I think asking for help in general is something that 's difficult for us these days that we tend to be kind of autonomous and independent mm-hmm. and um, so I think the, the the idea of asking someone for help, um, especially someone who's already serving others and already, already is kind of burdened by that service and most like, most likely. Um, it could be, it could be, I could see how it would be difficult to ask for, mm-hmm. for help but you're, you're, you're speaking more of a blessing um, and so what is, the, what is the significance of blessing well, as you understand it so
1: I, I keep coming back to this idea because well because of, the, of the, the week on sin that we just finished praying with like what does that mean for me to recognize someone as not just a really good guy not just you know a king but uh, the King of Kings, recognizing who I am as a terrible person, <laughs> mm-hmm. like what does that mean? Like what does that mean for this person to be in that position over over me? Like what what does that call from me? Right. Just to be the same, yeah. Or does it call me to do something greater? Does that blessing invite me to something more than just? Hey, guess what, guys. On a I'm a sinner. I'm a terrible person. I mean,
0: I think part of it is that we see a relationship between the kind of the quality of the kingship and the, and the, uh, the weight of the call that it exerts upon us. Right. So, um, someone who is a really admirable, like let's say a soldier, right. Um, uh, I could, I could follow him and say, I'm going to give up, you know, uh, Two weekends a month, two weekends a year, and whatever the, the National <laughs> Guard is, uh, I, I'm going to give up like that amount of time. That's about the right amount of time to follow someone who's a yeah. good, a good and, and holy soldier who's doing, uh, you know, fighting for his country for the right reason, right? That maybe maybe it's worth my whole life, maybe it's worth uh, two weekends a year, right? But I, there's like a kind of a finite amount that that um, that that king, if if we can call it that, uh, is is sort of claims uh, from me. Whereas I think because uh, Jesus Christ is God. Uh, his kingship has an infinite claim on me, that mm-hmm. he's worth my entire life, yeah. my every moment of every day, um, uh, everything I, I desire, right? I can offer everything to him because he is so far surpassing any other king that, I, that I've experienced, but even that I can imagine, um, that he is the most worthy king, uh, and uh, he's worthy of all of my
1: service. Well, and we actually receive from something from him, like that's the other mind-boggling part. Like we're so desperately seeking the blessing of all of these other, you know, kings and queens or whatever. Right. But we're not never going to get anything from them. But we will get something—that blessing and that per- personal interaction. Right. Uh, with the King of Kings.
0: Right. So yeah, the claim is infinite, but also the the blessing or the the reward. Right. That if we if we labor with him uh, in this you know period of difficulty in the battle. Uh, following him into these difficult places, then uh, we also will sh- have a share in the glory of uh, of his reward yeah. when we you know overcome evil and the battle is won, and um, we will continue to be with him in glory yeah
1: yeah, that's incredible and I think so I, I kind of started this off by s- speaking of this as sort of a transition into the second week, and I find that to be such an interesting way to begin praying with the earthly ministry of Jesus. Like with his kingship over all of the universe, right? <laughs> so we go from there, and actually, it's not exact. I mean, we don't go right into the earthly ministry. We we begin with the incarnation,
0: right? Which is a fascinating. I love. Way. I mean, so this that is fascinating meditation. because now we have this all-powerful, ever-living God of the universe uh-huh. uh, in a manger, yeah. right, in a cave or a bar- or a you know a shed, uh, and uh, completely defenseless, right? Yeah, he he is so powerful that he can set his power aside uh, and become yeah. an infant.
1: Well. Take it a step, take a step back a little bit. Remember the that wonderful meditation where you've got the, the divine, the Holy Trinity looking down upon the circuit of the earth, seeing how everybody is screwing up and right. getting it wrong and going to hell and all this, you know, terrible stuff. Right. And then choosing to become one. Right. Like, man, choosing to that hits being. me. Yeah, that hits me right in the heart every time I pray with that. Right. Like the infinite, the king of kings chooses to become like us, right. seeing what we are doing, right, <laughs> so that he can bring about that redemption.
0: I mean, it's a, it's just like the you know the firefighter in the burning building. Yeah, exactly. But you see, you see exactly. something that's a complete disaster, and, and, and you're and like, you "Hey, go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run into that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sure. get in the midst of that uh, because I love you know the people in this building mm-hmm. too much, right? I love the people on this planet too much. Uh, this is a good creation. It has to be saved, right? So I think I think like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on my firefighter <laughs> analogy, man. I think. I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. Um, but it is a remarkable uh condescension, right? That that mm-hmm. uh, the second person of the Trinity became a human being, um, in order to to be with us, right? Um. So yeah. So how do we how do we enter into the to the second week? How do we how do we pray with this Christ who's in our midst?
1: Yeah. You know, it's fascinating that so like when we when we talk a lot of the time when we talk about and I even just did it here at the beginning, when we talk about the second week, I think we do forget sometimes about the Annunciation, the Incarnation, all of these wonderful foundational um, moments of the earthly life of of, of Jesus. And we just want to focus on his, you know, on the adult years uh, or him getting lost in the temple or something like that. Um, but when I think back to my, my own retreat, when I was a novice, the the Annunciation especially was a huge moment for me, a huge prayer experience for me. And even to this day, I find I go to images of the Annunciation so often in my own prayer. And when I teach, you know, anything about anything. Right. I mean, Mary is just such a wonderful figure to to be kind of all-encompassing uh, and what I love about it is that it's, is that it's kind of what we were just talking about. That this there's this wonderful moment that happened. I mean, obviously it's a wonderful moment when God becomes flesh, uh, but when like literally the void is spanned, the gap is Bridged. whatever. Yeah, breached. Bridged. I don't know. Yeah, the, the Brid- bridge is English is hard. Yeah, the bridge has been has been laid. Like we are going to now have this this pathway to to the divine, this this physical uh, encounter with, with God. Like, that's incredible. And the more I think about it, the more I pray with it, it just becomes more and more incredible. In a sense, hard to believe. Like, and I find myself doing this all the time in prayer. Like, okay, God, are you sure that this is what you want to do? Like, it's kind of a bad choice. Like, you know what's going to happen. And it's always like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is what what we do, kind of like the firefighter, like, yeah, this is who we are, what we've done, right. what we've chosen, right. who, yeah, who we are. Right. Um, and so I, can, and I, and again, I can't help but think that the, the only way to enter into praying and considering those wonderful things that Jesus has done for us, establishing the church, dying for us, going through his passion and death, have to begin with our understanding of who we are and how loved we are. Right. Which is why we don't start with this when we start with the first week. Right. Um.
0: Yeah, that he, that he loves us so much that he Mm -hmm. he draws close to uh, like the entirety of our humanity. Right. He doesn't just take up the, the, you know, the pretty bits and the, uh, the good parts, but um, uh, the entirety of our humanity except sin. Uh, and uh, and unites it to himself, and so that's that's kind of an image for uh, how close we we can be. Um, so the hidden years you mentioned the, the hidden years. Yeah, um, how do you pray with something that's not in scripture?
1: Uh, I mean, I've never really had a hard time with that. Okay, TBH. <laughs> yeah, there's another there's another moment that's not in
0: scripture of the after the resurrection. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, that we're asked to pray
1: with, but I. I mean, I don't like, so when I was teaching freshman scripture back in Dallas, we'd often, and I stole this from from the superior, um, your former, your novice master, Mm. Um, he would have them write these dialogues when we were studying, with anybody, I mean, like, so what was, what could the conversation have been like for abraham and isaac as they were walking up the mountain something like that yeah that's intense yeah yeah and like the idea there is not just to you know go full-on fiction and just write write this right like like, oh you know isaac steps off his motorcycle and says hey or not even that but like oh yeah you know what isaac you've just convinced me that we're not going to actually right you know we're just going to walk away yeah the story is set the story is set and you're just kind of using your imagination and not even to fill in the gaps, but just to explore, right? Like, how could you? Yeah. And this is imaginative prayer. Like, how do you place yourself into the story? We don't change the course of events, um, but we engage. We engage right. with Scripture all and we the time. savor them, right? So the what yeah.
0: what we're going for is um, uh, like a yeah. felt understanding or a, or a, like a deeply personal mm-hmm. knowledge of. Uh, not just the events of the story that uh, you know the the ram in the thicket was sacrificed in place of Isaac but uh, of what uh, what Isaac may have been feeling um, yeah. as he was led up or what Abraham um, was was experiencing as he trusted in God mm-hmm. more than any other human being had had or maybe since uh, and uh, and so how how that experience relates to us and how <clears throat> we're invited to to enter into it in in like the present moment of our own life to have faith and to um, uh, yeah, to uh, experience the kind of the vicarious sacrifice of of Christ in our place, right? I mean, that, like that's the invitation, mm-hmm. and so entering into those two, um, those two people, historical per- people, um, uh, allows us to experience that uh, here and now in our own life. Yeah, right? and that's kind of the hope. I think
1: right, and I think that the the way you know we talk about Jesus as being friend, as being companion, as being this this person that's there with you that we're supposed to have, you know, a colloquy, a conversation with. And how do you have a conversation with <clears throat> with somebody who only has, you know, a fixed number of sentences that they're allowed to say? Like that seems right. a little ridiculous.
0: It's like a play where the lines are set. You know, yeah. The lines are scripted. And now you're just supposed to have a dialogue. It's yeah. like, well, I know what the yeah. next line is, but let me like have a conversation to lead up to it. Like that right. does, right. doesn't really work.
1: And so and I think really like this is one of the beautiful uh aspects of being catholic is that i don't have to worry about you know well is this revelation is this like equal to scripture my own personal encounter no it's not <laughs> i don't do that right right <laughs> you know i c- and i could see where you know some of the more fundamentalist branches of christianity um who who do believe in like a personal revelation or something like that could get a little worried with you saying you know, oh, you know, I had this prayer experience where 12-year-old Jesus uh, and I were, you know, hanging out and he told me something. Right. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? Right. You know, it's like, settle down. Right. <laughs> this is not scripture. Yeah, the this question is, is,
0: is it consistent with the rest of scripture? Is it, con- yeah. is it consistent with, you know, the church's understanding of of, right. uh, of the, the persons involved? Right. Uh, and if it is, then it's it's within the, you know, the big tent of what is, uh, you know, yeah. a. a a potentially kind of private revelation or yeah. understanding of the meaning of yeah. Scripture. Yeah,
1: and that's one of the beautiful ways that you can kind of tell if this is more than just you inventing something. Right. Like, that's the whole way that Scripture was, you know, through centuries of use, certain books seemed to the people to convey a certain sense of who God is that was consistent with what had already been revealed. And so, you know, God does not come well, we just read this the other day, to bring division. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, kind of, but... What uh, like type of division? This right. is uh, 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 St. Uh, Cardinal Newman. He, you know, he talks about the... Is he saint?
0: Yeah, right? right. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I shouldn't have uh, well, Don't ask those questions if you don't uh, know uh, <laughs> yeah, the answer. Uh, yes. I, I'm, John
1: Henry Cardinal Newman. Yes. Cardinal Henry... Anyway, yes. anyway he talks about the, uh, the ways that in which we can understand Revelation... And one of the ways, and I can't, I'm not going to be able to recall all of them off the top of my head, but the one of the most important ones, and actually comes up in, in the exercises, is that it doesn't break from tradition, right? Like if this is going to be something that is consistent with with what has gone before, then it's got to, in a sense, fit. We can we can start moving in our own direction, sure, but once we say, oh well, you know, the old law, that's p- that's gone and we don't need that anymore. Right. Yeah. That's not what Get the, the break, church the Yeah, yeah right. that's not what the church teaches. Right. It doesn't bind us in the same way. Anyway, we're getting kind of off topic here. Yeah. But and why was I talking about this? The hidden years. Oh, yeah. That's I think one of the, again, one of the beautiful things about being Catholic is that we can and about the exercises in general is that we can engage our our imaginations yeah. in such a way and come to a better personal That's right. where that in the best way, that's when we start to use that personal relationship language, right? You know, this—it's not dogmatically binding on you because you don't have that experience that I have of prayer. You right. have your own experience, and that's right.
0: beautiful. And and our experiences will be consistent in many ways, and yeah. all the ways that are most significant, really, in terms of you know doctrine and whatnot. But but it will have a different significance for you, or you'll have a different. Um, experience of it than I, I would yeah. um, because you're a, have a different experience you, you bring different things to it you you have a different imagination yeah. and I think that that uh, that point about imagination that that's something that can be a real obstacle I think to Ignatian prayer for many people they feel like um, well I don't have a real great ima- I mean you're an artist so you have a fantastic imagination right but some of us who are more like spreadsheet minds right mm-hmm. like so so where's where's the formula for what I have to you know like we just don't uh, maybe we don 't imagine we have as great of an yeah. imagination, yeah uh, and so I find it encouraging to uh, to be told right that um, that when Jesus Christ becomes a human being, he comes in order to uh, take us to himself and, he, and that includes our imagination and so mm-hmm. um, our imagination is now part of our redemption and uh, and it can it can show forth um, the vision of God uh, that is manifest to us when we when we meditate uh, with the help of grace on on the scriptures so. I, I find that really encouraging, and I find that I do get emotionally invested I don't have like you know uh, technicolor um, uh, visions of uh, you know scenes from from the scriptures oftentimes uh, but I will have profound insights and uh and like a deeply felt connection to um, uh, yeah to these um, imagined conversations with, yeah. with, with Jesus Christ <laughs> and with other you know uh, people in the in the mm-hmm. scriptures through my imagination that I can I can become deeply connected to them. Uh, when I sit quietly and allow my, you know, anxieties to, to dissipate, and and to focus on the words of Scripture, uh, and to meditate upon uh, upon those words and upon where I find myself in them, uh, how I relate to the to the other to the characters, have my own experiences, have resonances of of what the the characters yeah. are experiencing, of you know, being a um, condemned for adultery or for being uh, you know called from the customs post or whatever it might be. Um, that those are things that I myself have experienced mm-hmm. at various times and therefore I can relate to them. Um,
1: yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people are afraid to use, Oh, like a modern example. So like, for example, <laughs> when I was a novice, uh, any time that I talked to Jesus or the apostles or whatever, everybody had a British accent. Uh. And I'm convinced... Well, there's a couple of reasons why I think that happened. Downton? Uh, no, this was 2008. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I watched an incredible amount of British TV when I was a kid. Yeah. Like Monty Python, Python Mr. Bean, all of these, you know, really brilliant. brilliant. Faulty Towers is one of my favorite shows oh, yeah, of all yeah, time. Yeah, that's great. Uh, couple that with the fact that we watched um, that super long... I can never remember oh, the director. The Jesus, the Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth yeah, yeah. movie during disposition days, which I'm sure you did from the exact same cassette tapes. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Grainy cassette (laughs) tapes. Uh, And so I'm sure that had an influence to play on how I, how I conjured up um, these figures in my imagination. You know, when I was sitting in, in the house of, of Mary and Joseph or wherever that was in, you know, both at the annunciation and then again at the resurrection, like we were sitting on a couch you know, like, and people, and I and I find so often people are so afraid to, like, admit that, because then it's sort of an admonition, admission, there we go, admission, that we are making it up, like it's just my right. own.
0: Right, they didn't have couches, and therefore right. this is, this right. is not exactly. real Right, exactly, so prayer. that's wrong. God's yeah. not at work here yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We, they didn't have couches. Right, you're not actually getting a glimpse into praying. first century Palestine. Right. And that just is mind, like, I don't understand that. Like, how could you think that? <laughs> right. Because for me, I mean, my, okay, for me, my imagination doesn't work that way, but also like, that's God working through me. Yes. That's God using my own imagination. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the very, that's our understanding of the scriptures, the voice of God going through the voice of men. Like, right. that's how it works. And right. so for me to try to say, oh, well, this is just fabrication because, you know, Mary didn't have a couch, like those two things don't connect. And anytime anybody brings that up, like I have to, I have to work extra hard to like take it seriously (laughs) when people bring up these objections because it's just ridiculous to me. Right. Uh, And to the extent, like I remember when I was on uh, during the retreat, like I got kind of freaked out that these meditations were so vivid Hmm. because, you know, I remember before, you know, when I first got to the novitiate and some of the guys were talking about their, you know, the year before their experiences of the retreat You know, like, oh, I was, I was praying and then Jesus came up to me and like held my hand and I'm thinking, okay, that's not real. (laughs) Who is this guy? Yeah. Like that's, that's, you're just, you know, whatever. Uh, And so I was fully expecting that to be just, you know, pious hogwash. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) But then it was like, it was happening and I'm like, oh my God, this is weird. And so it freaked me out. And so I tried to say, okay, well, this is clearly my own imagination, right? Because I've got a pretty good one. And so, like, I spent days actively trying to create these elaborate, like, fantasy scenes and, and whatnot, and it just did not work. Hmm. It was the most miserable experience of my life. Nothing nothing happened. Right. And for me, at least, that was one of these moments where I was like, okay, well, clearly, you know, when I try to, when I'm forcing this... yes. There's no s- movement of the spirit there, right? But when I just kind of relax and let God use my imagination to put couches and British accents on every people, <laughs> on everybody, it's right. like okay, well now we've got s- now we've got something, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know, p- kind of rambling there for a yeah, little while. God, I think that's great that uh, <laughs> that yeah
0: that your experience really uh, shows you the truthfulness of what yeah. God is is using your imagination to do, and that uh, and that, that I think that's ultimately very deeply Ignatian that Ignatius was taught like a like a small child, right? That he was kind of led along. Uh, by the hand and that his uh, he wasn't persuaded persuaded by you know scripture commentary or by um, arguments of of uh, you know a particular uh, church figure about um, this is this is what this scripture passage means for you um, young Ignatius you know instead he allowed his experience to kind of teach him that when I attempt to manufacture insights or when I attempt to manufacture uh, grace I'm left dry and desolate yeah and uh and convinced that, well, this attempt has not been um, authentically kind of the action of God mm-hmm. in, in moving my soul to its a greater ho- faith, hope, and love. Uh, but when it is moved to those things, um, and my imagination is engaged, and I do encounter the Lord, and uh, uh, it is deeply meaningful, and I am moved to faith, hope, and love, yeah. then that's a sign that it is of God, and that um, God has now— I, mean, I think we. one of my favorite—this is uh, a little bit of a—I'm ner- going to nerd out for a second here—theology uh, nerd— um, one of my great favorite insights in um, uh, kind of the the reading of scripture and the and the writing how, how scripture was write, written um, is that we often have this notion of well it's either um, that the scripture author was uh, using all of his gifts and all of his experiences to write the account and then God comes along afterwards and be like hey that's really good rubber stamp there you go that's divine revelation right <laughs> yeah or we have this notion that so that's one extreme or we have this other notion that um, that the scripture author is like has the Holy Spirit whispering in his ear, and and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit somehow like knows his experience and, and like, like uh, foresees how his experience relates uh, to what, what the Holy Spirit is revealing, but it's ultimately only God that it's really writing scripture, right? Yeah, and the the humanity of the author is is kind of suppressed, um, and like both of these are not authentic, right. right? That instead, what happens, as I understand it, is uh, is a non competitive causality. That it is both fully the author using the fullness of his gifts of of everything that he has experienced of his own, you know, literary technique and everything else. And it is fully the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And that these two, uh, by a miraculous working of God's grace and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit are not actually in competition with one another that that like grace doesn't have to like suppress and destroy right. human right. freedom God and human freedom flesh. <laughs> yeah exactly and human freedom doesn't have to always find itself in opposition to right. grace right that somehow right. these two can actually accomplish um, uh, the ultimately you know the the um, the revelation of of God's plan for human salvation yeah um, without competing with one another, and that they're actually cooperating, and I think yeah. the same is true for my. I think on a smaller level, obviously, um, in my you know praying with Scripture, that um, it's fully me, it's fully my imagination, it's fully everything I've experienced that I'm bringing to prayer, and it's fully the work of the Holy Spirit in uh, in kind of directing it towards uh, the end that God has in mind for me, which is yeah. His praise, reverence, and service. Boom. faith, hope, and love. Right. Yeah.
1: You know, that's one of the reasons why I really liked the uh, the movie Noah yeah. with Rus- Russell Crowe. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of got these hidden year frustrations that the account of Noah is like a chapter yeah. <laughs> in the Bible. Right. And they create this two-hour movie, you know, based off of it. It's not all scriptural. But what I love about the movie is that it shows, I think, a really good example of what you're talking about of somebody that hears, you know, hears God speaks to them but doesn't really know what to do with it. He's trying and he's acting like he's he's actively trying to follow the will of God. He gets it a little wrong, but he still trusts that God will work through his own wrongness. And God does. You know, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of how all of that works, how all of that works together. Is that you're you're totally right. We don't become um, like puppets. Puppets, yeah. And let God, you know, write through our hand, like, oh, God, what is my hand doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write. Oh, oh, I guess I did write that. My hand did it. Uh, yeah, yeah. To the extent I actually use that, well, the graphic novel, there's a, a book made uh, about, the, a bu- about the movie. So I used that in my scripture class when we were talking about Genesis. Nice. I don't think the kids got it, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I like it. I get a lot of things. So Let me ask you this question, Mr. Spreadsheet. Spreadsheets. Uh, So you're a novice going through the spiritual exercises. I've been a novice in months. I'm just kidding. What? (laughs) Going through the second week. Yeah. And the novice master tells you, I want you to pray with, I don't know, the feeding of the 5,000, something like that. How do you know which gospel to go to? Hmm. Like, okay, he'd probably tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but taking a step back from what actually happened, like, we've got these four accounts. Right. If there's, if there's, if Jesus only said one thing, how does that work?
0: Yeah, so I think you just kind of end up picking one. I mean, practically speaking, it's not that. Right. It was not like, I never agonized over, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm picking the wrong one. Um I think I, I typically uh, have you know favorites, so I mm-hmm. like uh, I like Mark's gospel a lot for its kind of punchiness. Mm-hmm. And I like John's gospel a lot for its like profound theological insight and the and just the kind of the polish that it has. Um, but I, I, I obviously choose other gospels as well at various times. Um, but you were talking about the details that like the differences how do we reconcile yeah. the details yeah. or um, what are the, what are the significance of the deta- of the differences between them?
1: yeah, because I mean we the, th- something like the hidden years is easy to point out aha uh-huh, that's not in the Bible
0: right, and so you're kind of a blank slate, yeah. to, to work but with.
1: like when you 've got discrepancies even right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, what do you do? Right, so <laughs> one one answer to this is it might have happened multiple times. Sure. Right? Yeah, so yeah, I can sure. imagine that the loaves <laughs> multiply, multiplied many times, right? <laughs> um, another way would be that uh, each one expresses a, a theological mm-hmm. truth and mm-hmm. that um, the number of fish or loaves or whatever else is uh, somehow um, mysteriously instructive of, of a greater truth, and therefore I can I can reflect upon and invite the Lord to help me to understand that, that deeper truth that... Um, whether it was four thousand or five thousand or whatever else right um, that is less significant than the fact that God is revealing himself to me through through this passage and through the maybe even the numbers uh, involved and there's a rich tradition of interpreting numbers in symbolic ways and, and whatnot so I mean there's a lot of, a lot of things you could do to uh, to kind of pray and reflect upon the uh, the differences. Um, I ultimately find that, yeah, I just kind of dive into the details of the mm-hmm. story of, okay, so this happened on a plane. This happened on a hillside, right? And I allow myself to kind of imagine uh, whatever, whatever, or this happened. I just in thought
1: of an actual, like an airplane <laughs> when you said that. Like, oh, when yeah. was Jesus uh, on an airplane? No, no, <laughs>
0: P-L-A-I-N. Um, yeah, the rain in Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, so it's... Um, uh, so I, 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 I allow the details to be more of a help to kind of spur my imagination yeah. and um, and kind of take that as a, a jumping off point for my own reflection upon, you know, where have I felt this particular thing of, of hunger or where have I felt uh, inadequate in, yeah. in presenting my gifts for, you know, consecration or for um, mm-hmm. the distribution to those in need uh, and allow that that experience of my own of inadequacy or of hunger to then kind of enrich my contemplation of the of the passage that's kind of where i would go with it
1: i find and we're kind of running out of time here but i find that when we look at the earthly ministry of jesus overwhelmingly the focus tends to turn to miracles Hmm. like let's look at the magic jesus does and that proves that he's god because we want proof right we're we're like the unfaithful ones who,
0: who demand a sign right right and no sign will be given to them Right. Oof. Woof.
1: Yeah. So what what were you saying about? (laughs) I'm just, I'm just pointing that out. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it it can be a struggle, right? That uh, very rarely do Mm -hmm. I have experience of miracles, right? So now I'm supposed to imagine uh, a miracle happening, happening in in scripture and that I'm involved in this, in this scene where um, I come to Jesus with a withered hand and he heals me. Well, I've never had a withered hand. Mm -hmm. I've never had uh, like a miraculous healing in that way. Um, of a physical healing anyway, uh, and therefore, I guess, there's, there's a temptation to immediately jump, well, this must be symbolic, right? So I look yeah. at, you know, the metaphor of my own sinfulness, right, That's and the right. way in which the Lord has healed me of sinfulness. The that, real miracle is right. that
1: people learn how to share. Right, exactly. Duh! <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so I think, yeah, the 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 um, instinct to immediately jump to kind of metaphor, yeah. right, that can be a trap for us. Yeah. Um, that Jesus physically healed these people. Yeah, uh, these people were possessed by demons. Uh, yeah, and uh, and Jesus cast them out, um, and they confessed uh, who Jesus was, and all like this is this is just uh, what Scripture says, and I think the literal meaning is not to be cast aside. So I think it's good to kind of uh, struggle to contemplate um, if I have this deformity, right? If I have, um, you know, like I yeah I have a <laughs> I have one double jointed thumb, right? So example, right? That's that's kind of. Do you deformed, really right, I, do, I really do have one double jointed thumb um, so I can imagine right, I go to Jesus with my my non double jointed thumb because mm-hmm. I think double jointed thumbs are, are more normal um, and uh right and i and I present it to him like what would it be like for me to have something that seems like it 's not right in my body um, somehow like made right mm-hmm. uh, and that it wouldn 't be weird anymore right mm-hmm. I, I mean i can I can really imagine that because I think many of us have uh, parts of ourselves, parts of our appearance, right my bald head. <laughs> right if I went to jesus and said uh, master i 'm bald um, right and it has been a great affliction a greater affliction than this is trivial right but, but imagine it would be a great affliction yeah. to me um, and ask him for a very good reason right to be cured of this ailment ailment uh, I can imagine how transformative that would be because i 've been you know maybe in trivial ways, but i can I can imagine a difference in of degree I think more easily than I can imagine something that 's completely a different kind mm-hmm. right that some like trivial deformity is uh, a matter of degree um, different from um, a, a more significant, like a withered hand or yeah. whatever else it might be. And so I can really, I really can't imagine what it would be like to have that deformity mm. and go and, and like the way it's been debilitating, right? And I've also a secondhand experience of of hearing people talk about, you know, disabilities or struggles mm-hmm. or um, addictions or whatever else it might be, to go to, go to go to Jesus and present this to him and ask him to, to heal it, to make it whole, to make it uh, right, to be free yeah. of the of the of kind of the social, you know, the eyes that see this and see, oh my, you have a, you have a withered hand, right? You have a deformity. You're not normal, mm-hmm. right? I can imagine the relief that would come from that. Um, yeah. And so that's what I allow my, my imagination to kind of engage with
1: uh, in the passage. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a great uh, retreat meditation. It really is. Uh, and maybe even why Ignatius wanted us to pray with Jesus's miracles. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, So next week, I'd I'd really like to talk a little bit more about in our follow-up. Yeah, just I guess, like, what does it physically look like physically in our retreat experience to walk with Jesus along the way? And then I do want to talk a little bit about the two standards. For sure. um, Before we move on to the third week. Uh, But today we're out of time. So
0: thanks for watching.